I'm Dr. Pete Economo, the East Coast psychologist. And I'm Dr. Nikki Rubin, the West Coast psychologist. And this is When East Meets West. So, Pete, I was going to say we're going to get in some alliteration here. Pete, we're talking about panic. Pete, yeah. panic. <laughs> I was wondering, can you spell like, alliter- was- Can you spell alliteration? <laughs> I can spell alliteration. A L. No, I don't. <laughs> so um, I don't even know so, if I know yeah, what that means. But all right, who cares? Go. What alliteration? It's yeah. like the you know, it's the same. Watch, I'm like saying it wrong. Ninety nine percent positive. It's when, when you're saying the same letter, first letter of each word. Heat and um, panic. But, gotcha. Yes, yes. Heat and panic. So, um, so yeah, Pete. So we're going to talk about panic because. First of all, it's something that's really very common that people come to treatment for, right? Yes. So a lot of people um, uh, show up in our offices. Um, we're, you know, panic's pretty unpleasant. People are suffering a lot from it. Yeah. Um, also, I think it's really important to talk about panic today um, because something I encounter a lot in my practice, I'm not sure if, if this is something you um, experience as well, but there's often, I would say, a lot of misunderstanding or misconception around like differences between a full panic attack and yeah. also just experiencing panic symptoms. And the latter tends to be more common, honestly. Yeah, totally, 100%. And actually, I don't let them use the word panic. So maybe we should start with, you know, trying to actually describe what panic is or you want to start with you that? Know, sure. When you say you don't let them use that word, you mean when, when you're trying to identify symptoms or? Yeah, I don't. So one of the things I do for diffusion is just not using the words panic, not using the word or panic attack or anxiety, uh, uh-huh, just really uh-huh. describing the physical sensations. Cool. Cool. Okay. I'm looking at so, your face and I'm, yeah, you're, I'm like, huh, interesting <laughs> choice. No, I'm like, all right, no, I'm not against it. <laughs> Honestly, what, the, what was going through my mind as you were saying that was it's it's always just kind of fun. I mean, obviously, I like talking to people for lots of reasons, but it's always interesting to see like what are the things that like you, uh, as a clinician that you're yeah. like I this doesn't work for me because I have similar kind of like rules for myself where I'm like I don't let people say X Y and Z like I don't let people say should you oh. know and that like well wh- <laughs> well why Doctor Rubin because shoulds are judgments and demands and That's right. as as the you know a famous um, second wave uh, CBT psychologist Albert Ellis used to say, people should all over themselves. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so that so okay. I was not, I was not judging your choice. It was more that was my internal monologue as you were it. talking. My brother would not have laughed that hard as we just did over Ellis's statement. <laughs> <laughs> Two psychologists gets, walk into it. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. I gotta say. I got a lot of my patients, uh, a lot of my patients get a, get a chuckle on that one. That's a good So, one. yes. So, so let's, so let's, um, let's define it. Yeah. Let's start there. Well, I got you ready. Uh, yeah, panic go. from APA is sudden uncontrollable fear reaction that may involve terror, confusion, and irrational behavior precipitated by a perceived threat. I know you love that. I do. That, yeah. I'm into it. <laughs> I, I was like, please don't, please don't yeah. read from not Webster. Webster. Not Webster. No, I'm not going to do that to you as much anymore. <laughs> Thank you. I, I appreciate it. I, I appreciate it. We like, we want some, we want some psychological definitions here. Um, but yeah, break that, so, break that down for a little bit. Yeah. Well, and I think, so maybe we could start from there. Um, yeah. we can say like a panic attack is something very specific. So, you know, I would say out in the, you know, in the world, people that whether they've been in therapy or not, lots of people throw that word around. And I would yes. also say they use it interchangeably with anxiety attack. Uh, totally. Right. Yeah. And so I think it's really important for listeners to understand an anxiety attack, again, totally okay to use that language if if that works for you, but that's that's not a um that's not a clinical term. That's right. It's sort of like a, a term that's evolved, you know, out in the world, but it's not something that clinicians use. It's not um, it's not a diagnostic uh right tool or language. So that's really important to understand because a panic attack 
is something um, that's a psychological uh, phenomenon that we can diagnose. And a panic attack is also very discreet, which yeah, is something so to know as well. I think I'm right, but I'm not sure. I think it's panic disorder is the diagnosis technically. Is that right? Oh, well, that, well, so we could, we could really go into this. There's, I know. There is a, yeah, well, there is um, a disorder called panic disorder. That's right. true. But panic disorder is something um, that is different than a panic attack. You can have panic attacks outside of panic disorder. Does does the DSM have panic attack in it or or no? It does. Yes. Okay. So a panic attack is defined, but you can have a panic attack within, without a panic disorder. It, yes. You can have, um, and, and maybe we'll leave panic disorder on the side for today because it's, you know, we're going to get, um, I don't want to confuse listeners here, but I think it's like, if we talk about panic attacks, that is something that you can have if you could have panic disorder, sure. you could have a different anxiety disorder like OCD or generalized anxiety disorder. You could have no anxiety disorder. None whatsoever. Could bring. Right. Yes. So yeah. it's um it's a it's a uh, I'm not going to just say a psychological. It's a physiological um, discrete experience that the body can undergo. Yeah. Um. And when someone experiences a pa- panic attack, basically what happens is um you start to experience physiological sensations. Um, where the brain then starts to go kind of like, what is this? Like it tries to make sense or evaluate each sensation. And as your brain starts to evaluate each one, like, let's say you start to feel really hot or like a little, um, heart, like your heart rate's increasing or you feel nauseated. Yeah. Yeah. And your brain's like, what's going on? What is that? The questions like that tend to activate anxiety. Yeah. And what's anxiety made up of more physiological sensations. And so there's sort of a, um, escalating, climbing a ladder effect, um, where the body then can start to get, um, just more and more and more activated to the point where you can experience such intense sensations. You might think that you're going crazy or you're going to die, or people think they're having heart attacks. That's a common thing. People go to the most common one. Yeah. 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 And it's, and so I think also for listeners that haven't experienced them, it's important to understand panic attacks are, it's not like a no big deal. Like people are, it's like your body feels like it's being chased by a bear. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and people are just looking to get away from it. And then people think it's not real. And I, that was the other thing I thought you were about to say, right. Where maybe if you're a loved one and your partner or someone in your family has this, you just sort of think that this is not real. And that usually the person that experienced a panic attack feels like that people don't get them, you know? Yeah. And yeah. So I think that's important that we, you know, put that out there because it is real. So while it is about what's happening in the brain, often um, the physical sensation that one experiences is super real, which is why it does lead a lot of people to go to the ER, as you mentioned. Yeah. It's, it's like a full, I think it's, that's, I'm really glad that you're bringing that up because yeah, again, listeners that haven't experienced them, it's important to understand right. it, it's a, it's a, physiological experience like the mm-hmm. body it's almost like sometimes i describe to people as like you know it can feel like a runaway train right yeah. like the sensations get more and more and more intense so it's not some no the person experiencing experience experiencing it excuse me is not being dramatic or making no. it up or exaggerating it's you know if you you know again like if, if you haven't had one think of a time when you've been the most afraid in your life and yeah. think about all the sensations that can show up in your body, right? Sweating, nausea, heart palpitations, tight uh, chest tightness, all yeah. these things, dizziness. Um, that's getting activated in like a 10 to 20 minute um, uh, span. And there's, and it, it can be unbelievably um, just like consuming, like, well, you know, 
Well, when you look up panic attacks, so I've done a little research since we're talking, so mm-hmm. uh, to differentiate, but it actually, well, I'll say it's a discrete period of time and often involves fears of going crazy, losing control, or dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, you know, for listeners like to understand that's the level that this gets to, and it, and people really feel that they're nuts. And I, I'll just share because I know we don't, you know, we don't disclose a lot as psychologists, but uh, you know, um, one like on the path train, I used to get that, you know, from time mm-hmm. to time, mm-hmm. um, and so that's why I can sort of work with people. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes people will come to us and say, "Well, do you have children, or are you this, or are you that?" Because that's the only way you could treat us. Um, it's not true. I mean, we, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Perhaps our level of empathy or sympathy might change, you know, depending on what our own sure. personal experiences are. Um, but, you know, the, having the experience of the path train really, really crowded um, on a hot day, stopping and getting stuck, um, you know, in between stations, um, you know, certainly led to these feelings or these physical sensations. Yes. Uh, and so you, and, and, and there's no way out, you know, so that, you know, and that yeah. was, yeah. Well, yeah. well, and so, so what Pete's talking about are some of like examples of like what can trigger a panic attack yes. or panic symptoms, which is like, you know, a really common one is like, um, the, you know, again, it can be cognitive, like you're afraid of being trapped or it's like your brain, that's, that's sort of the flavor. Yeah. Your brain is, is, a, uh, doesn't like, uh, the idea of not being able to get away or yeah. get to safety. Um, and it's important, I guess, also to say that um, this is relevant to to all the things that we'll talk about today with regards to panic is that these all have evolutionary roots, in yes. them, right? So it's like, remember, <laughs> thank like, you, Doctor. Yes, you're welcome. So, so fear, um, you know, evolved to keep us safe. That's why I said it's like it, it physiologically feels like you're being chased by a bear because. Yeah all of those physiological sensations increase heart rate, you know, like sweat, like this is all about like, you're trying to, um, you're trying to run, you're trying yeah. to get blood pumping, you're trying to um, feel activated and energized to get away and and stay alive. So 40,000 years ago, very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but in modern, uh, you know, in modern days, like that same mechanism can get activated in times when we're not actually in danger. Yes. So, um, so before we kind of move into like panic symptoms, which is, um, honestly, not necessarily, uh, less, um, intense than a panic attack, but sort of like, uh, different in how long it lasts. Like, I yeah. don't know, is there anything else that you want to make let's sure we go. say about panic attacks or let's, let's jump into the symptoms. Just jump in. Okay. Yeah. Let's okay. Go. So, all right, cool. So, so we, we, we've mentioned many of yeah. them, but go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, so panic symptoms, I think it's important to understand that you can experience panic symptoms without it rising to the level of a panic attack. So yes. you know, sometimes patients come to me and they'll say, when I'm assessing like they've ever experienced panic attacks and I'll ask like, um, you know, how long did they last? And sometimes people will say, I've had them for days at a time. Yeah. And, and when people say that it's not, it doesn't, they're not lying to me. They're not exaggerating. It's that again, that they, there's a, um, they don't yet know the distinction between just panic symptoms and panic attacks. So it's really clear, or it's really important. Everybody's clear that a panic attack is discrete. It, it's yes. like a wave. It will reach a crescendo and then it will pass. So mm-hmm. it's, it's like condensed. It's re, it can be really awful to experience them. They're not going to hurt you. You can't be hurt by a panic attack. No one has died from a panic attack. No one's ever died from a panic attack. Um, they're very unpleasant, but they'll, they'll be over relatively quickly, even though they don't feel like that while they're happening. Right. 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 But Panic symptoms, and I'll and I'll I explain this a lot to people. Like sometimes I'll call them. It's like sub threshold is what I'll say sometimes. Yeah. Where sometimes what is really awful about those is because they never reach the apex, mm. right? Like a panic attack, they can stay like elevated for a really really long time without relief. Um, you know, and and that's something. Um, 
that's usually what's happening when someone's saying they're they're experiencing them for like days or hours on end. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're experiencing some of these symptoms that Pete was mentioning, right? So, you know, again, I'll say them again. So it could be dizziness, nausea, um, any kind of GI symptoms, mm-hmm. right? Um, sweating, increased heart rate, muscle tension, uh, shakiness, any mm-hmm. sense of cho- sensation of choking. That's yep. a, that's a common one. Yeah. Um, Shortness of breath. Shortness of breath, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if they they could, they basically like if you think of a scale of like one to ten, maybe they're hanging out at like a seven, but yeah. they're never reaching that ten to to drop back down. Yeah, yeah. So is that what you experience Abs- clinically? Is that yeah. yeah, yeah? That's what I experienced that day on the path train, and yes, yeah, that's what I, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, no, that's what you experience. Uh, yeah, when you're um, you know working with people through that, mm-hmm. and so one of the things you said about scaling, so we'll use a Likert scale often because in the moment. What you start to realize, and you know, listeners, I think play around with this. Like all of we we all experience anxiety, like like Nikki said, it's adaptive. Uh, and so it helps keep us alive. And and if we can rate it from one to ten, it's likely to have less control over us because it might in our mind feel like it's a 10, but then if we actually observe it, it might only be like a five or six. And not only, because that's still annoying. Yeah. But you know, and then what we try to do is work on some skills to you know, breathe through or to, you know, keep lowering from over time. But like you said, like the wave is a big um, metaphor that I use often Mm -hmm. because it will come in and will go out. It can't, you know, Mm -hmm. you can't stay in that. But the symptoms, you know, no matter where you are and especially anyone in performance, like you're about to give a presentation or, you know, you're going to have some of those moments. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes when I used to go live on air, um, on, like in a, a television studio, I would feel panic symptoms um, mm-hmm. some, at times, you know, mm-hmm. right before the camera went live, because, you know, once you're on live TV, there's very, um, and actually, there's a very famous person who wrote about this, uh, Dan Harris, 10% mm-hmm. happier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he had what he described as his first panic attack live on air, which anyone could Google and watch that or not or don't. Right. Well, I think he, I think he invites people into, yeah, I think I can, I think he's really open about that. Yeah. Yeah, Well, so I think what, what Pete's starting to get into, which we can talk a little bit about is, you know, some of the ways that we, uh, we treat panic and there, there is a mix between East and West here. Um, and maybe we could start with, with the West because I think, um, it will actually, let me be clear about this is important. We say this on this podcast, obviously, you know, we're not training anybody on this podcast. Yeah. And I are also not physicians. And so of course, right. like the thing with these kinds of physiological sensations, you know, it's always, it's always good to like be seeing your GP and get checked out those things. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, uh, that's just important to, to be clear about, but, yes. um, but when it comes to panic attacks and panic symptoms, like one thing that I often tell people is like, I can treat a panic attack in one session a lot of times. That's right. And like, what do I mean by that? What I mean is, is that a big uh, reason that they they tend to get activated, and and again, it's not true for everybody. It doesn't mean every panic attack is gonna is gonna um, uh, stabilize after one session. But for a lot of folks, it's just this misunderstanding as to how to interact with the symptoms, and you need to know what they are. So the psychoeducation alone can um, can bring them down, and so you know, sometimes just teaching people that the reason panic elevates or anxiety increases in general is when you're misinterpreting your bodily sensations. So what I was saying a few minutes ago about, you know, you feel one of these unpleasant sensations, like you're getting overheated or your Mm -hmm. stomach's upset. And then your brain goes into that annoying problem-solving cognitive evaluative mode and goes, (gasps) 
what is that? What's happening? And then that triggers anxiety symptoms. And then all of a sudden you have more physiological sensation. If all of a sudden you say to yourself, wait a minute, I don't, there's nothing to figure out here. All that's happening is my stomach's a little upset or I'm on a crowded train and I'm getting a little overheated. That's all that's happening. Yeah. That keeps the unpleasant sensation where it's at without escalating. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's going to sound, you know, to some people like super easy and perhaps even a little invalidating. And, but that's, that's the practice. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, in the West and what we do in behaviorism is like, you have to have experiences to practice it, you know? Mm -hmm. So you have to go on trains, you have to give presentations, Mm -hmm. you know, it's the only way you can do this stuff is to lean into it. And I thought you were going to say you're going to start with the West because it works and it's really great. Well, well that, well, well, that, that too, that too. It's, it's more that it's like, it's, I always think about like the power of like actual, just like having like knowledge about something that yes. sometimes some, again, like we, Pete and I talk about this all the time, right? Like we don't know all kinds of things. There's lots of things that we don't know, but when right. there's, but, but our brains really like certainty and they really like knowledge. And so sometimes like in this case, like, just understanding what your brain's doing and knowing, oh, that's all that's happening. It's just a physical sensation that I don't like. That stops your brain from then trying to like get you out of it. It stops you from trying to figure it out and um, and interrupts that um, that process of escalation that can happen really really quickly. So Pete's right. It it, it you know it might sound. Um, like, oh, it's really easy. It's not, but, but it's still, I will say like, I, I, I've worked with lots of people where like yeah. that alone ended up becoming, it's such a, it's such a um, elegantly simple intervention, right? <laughs> oh, I, lo- I love how you put that there. And I'll elegantly, I'll elegantly simply uh, describe a little bit of the East before we wrap up. Cause yes, we're almost out please, of time. Yes. But, uh, you know, the East doesn't have much to say about it because they don't really attach to any of those feelings. And so I think there's some things that I've read about it what we do is really welcome it. And because sometimes people actually, when they're meditating, they'll mm-hmm. have panic symptoms. Yes, it makes sense, um, yeah. Right, because it's a first time of stillness. It's a first time of quietness. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we know, um, you know, stillness speaks. It's very loud, as Eckhart Tolle mm-hmm. wrote. And so you just you welcome it. Uh, and so one yeah. of the most Eastern things is saying, like, whatever's coming up on the cushion, you let it come up. You might It might be helpful to break it down into little pieces, uh, because again, they don't typically like, you know, in the Eastern world, you kind of look at things for all of its collective parts, um, you know, rather than, you know, seeing things for this like large thing. Because again, mm-hmm. because panic, as we've read, is really about living, you know, or fear of dying. Uh, in the East, many of these cultural sort of teachings, um, that inherently, there's no fear of dying uh, because the cultures are just more, you know, present, or at least mm-hmm. the teachings are. Uh, and so again, it's going to sound elegantly simple, um, but anyone that has felt this knows that it is quite the opposite. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was like chuckling a little bit when you're like, <laughs> the East doesn't have a lot to say about it. Cause I was, literally, I literally, I thought you were going to say the opposite. I'm like, no, I feel like it has so much to say. Cause that's what some of the main practices that we work with our mindfulness practices, exactly that of like, just right. allow what's coming up. And that paradoxically is actually what brings yes. down the intensity. So like when you're just allowing yourself to feel the sensations without um without engaging the story about them, that that can that's what helps you move through them exactly. You know, yeah. so um also just interesting it was just coming into my mind when you said, you know, obviously the the concepts of like um you know from some Eastern philosophy like that there that there's not a fear of death, right? right. Like or there's not supposed to be, I guess. Yeah. Um but but what's interesting here is is that 
this obvious where panic attacks or panic symptoms get activated is yes. When the mind starts to go into fear of death, like what is this, what is happening to me? That's right. When, when also what's really happening is biologically, our brains all have the capacity to activate fear as a survival mechanism. Yes. Right. So like, like, and other mammals have this, like other animals as well. Right. So, you know, so when we are actually just with um, the sensations as they were designed by evolution, right? Yeah. They don't, um, they don't uh, overtake us, you know? Yeah. So I don't know, kind of, I, I was like, I thought you were going to say it has tons to say about it. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, see, we, we remain surprised. Well, and they again, they, it, it comes back to some translation stuff that maybe wouldn't even be there because it's not translated, right. you know, right. but, and, but yeah. Here we are, and uh, I, I. It seems like we could have another episode on this for sure. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like we'll maybe what we'll come down with is we'll break down the different um, uh, diagnostic categories that can be associated with these. But hopefully, listeners, um, hopefully, learning a little bit more about um, panic in general, how it may present. It might show up as a full blown panic attack. It may be um, panic symptoms. All of them we get. It's really, really unpleasant, and this is something that. Um, you have options about how to interact with it in a different way, move through it, um, and hopefully begin to reduce the intensity of something that might be causing you a lot of strife. This has been When East Meets West. I'm Dr. Nikki Rubin. And I'm Dr. Pete Economo. Be present, be brave. This has been When East Meets West. All material is based on opinion and educational training of Drs. Pete Economo and Nikki Rubin. Content is for informational and educational purposes only.